you need to have that focus first. Mm. You have to know what am I trying to say before you decide how to say it. Uh, this is like, otherwise you're, you're making a recipe before you know what your ingredients are. Welcome to the Content 10X Podcast, the show where content creators learn how to harness the power of content repurposing. And now, your host, Amy Woods. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Content 10X Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Woods, and this week's episode is about generating ideas for your content and making them go further. And I'm joined by a wonderful guest, please meet Melanie Diesel. Now, Melanie is the founder and chief content officer of Story Fuel. She's an author of the best-selling book, The Content Fuel Framework, How to Generate Unlimited Story Ideas. And she is an international keynote speaker, a skilled virtual presenter, which is obviously very useful at the moment, um, recognized as one of the world's leading experts in native advertising and branded content. And she teaches marketers around the globe how to brainstorm better, Think like journalists and tell better stories. So welcome to the show, Melanie. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to, to be here and, and catch up. Yeah, it's um, it's really great to have you. And I think it was our mutual friend, Jay Bear, who um, introduced me to uh, your book, actually. I think you mentioned your book in conversation Aww. and what you did and everything. And it sounded so good. I had to get a copy. <laughs> So huge congratulations on um, the on the launch of the, the book. And as we were saying before I hit record, in slightly like challenging year to, to launch a That's book. That's for sure. <laughs> How has it all been going in that regard? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that's hard as a as a marketer especially is we obviously had a big plan around how we were going to launch the book and, and all the exciting tactics we were going to use. And, you know, you set goals as part of that. And so I think one of the important things for me and the team early on was realizing we needed to let go of those goals because those goals were set based on a reality that didn't exist anymore, you know, we were dealing with the fact that Amazon was only shipping essentials, so that really affect our shipping rates, right? Um, you know, people obviously had bigger problems and bigger concerns than maybe ordering a book or reading a book or leaving a review. Um, so we really tried to focus on the impact of the people we did reach instead of, you know, the number of people we maybe reached during launch week or something like that. So I've uh, been trying to focus on that, that positive feedback and, and you know, really reading the reviews and, and taking the, the kind words to heart and not focusing so much on, on the numbers. Oh yeah, that completely makes sense. And uh, how you said about having to kind of maybe let go of all the the big plans. I think you know, <laughs> let, let go could be a big, the, almost a word for twenty words for twenty twenty. Could be like That's right. <laughs> no, but, well, you know, congratulations on on launching it all the same, and it's such a fantastic book. And I, I love. I, I'm a big fan of a framework. So anything where you can <laughs> you know add some kind of framework to anything, I'm a big fan of that. I know people get really overwhelmed with content. There's there's so many platforms, so many formats. And, you know, what we do on this show is really help people figure out how they can make the content go further and how they can be smarter with content and maximize their time and maximize their output. So your book, The Content Fuel Framework, is just so perfect because it helps people generate so many ideas for content from their stories and make that go further in all these different ways. So, I mean, as I said, I, I love a framework. So why, why did you decide to create a content framework? 
So one of the things that's kind of my core belief and, and sort of drives a lot of the work that I do is I really believe that everyone is creative enough and, and you know, can create really powerful content. And I think the bigger challenge is not whether we're creative enough, but whether we've been taught how to activate that creativity or how to find it. And so, you know, this is a system that I had been using in workshops and in conference keynotes, kind of showing people how they can tap into that, even if they don't consider themselves a creator. And so I really wanted to make it as simple, as basic, as accessible as possible, because really, you know, I wanted to, to live that value and, and do what I could to make as many people as possible feel like, no, I can do this like I'm a creator I've got this uh, yeah. so yeah the, the framework was was really just trying to break things down into its smallest parts and give people kind of a roadmap for content idea generation yeah because people get so um, bamboozled by the different content options out there and all the different people saying be on this platform create this create that and to have something that you can follow it can just really help you can't it with the um, the generation and the, creating the plans and things like that which is is you know so important <laughs> um, yeah. and yeah I, I love the way that you you say that a content idea is a combination of focus and format it's so it's so cool because whenever people ask me to define repurposing content I always say it's it's finding ways to share your ideas and your stories in a different focus and a different format and a different location so your entire kind of focus plus format formula yeah. I think it's just brilliant and I was wondering <laughs> Um, could we let's start with um, focus so focus plus format is like the components yeah. of um, generating ideas so what what are the different focus um, aspects for content yeah so you know there are truthfully there are probably many more focuses than I cover in the book what I tried to do is pick 10 that are common that tend to work well and that might kind of stretch our creativity just a little bit so you know a focus again is just that's what you're your content is about. It's the angle, the perspective, it's sort of your approach to telling that story. What am I going to say? So, you know, one of the really popular ones, the one that we put first is people, you know, people focused content is some of the most compelling stuff there is because we see ourselves or, or someone like us in the content. So, you know, putting people as the first focus in the book was, was really important for me. Um, another one that I like a lot is, is process focusing on a process and the idea would be this is content where you're trying to help your audience achieve something whether it's you know instructions for for a uh, craft or you know a recipe um, DIY instructions this kind of content is so so valuable it has a really long shelf life and it really gives you so, sort of great search discoverability because people are generally searching for instructions on these processes when they need to complete them so I think process focused content is you know is something you can always create more of and, and really get long-term value out of yeah it's the kind of the very very searchable content isn't it um yeah it's, it's absolutely. funny for me like on my website some of the still the most found um through google search are the you know kind of how to turn a video into an audiogram or something like that and there's so much more yeah. on there but it's the how to and the process and the those kinds of content that really help you with an seo perspective isn't it um yeah. so people and process and what about some of the other um, focus areas so yeah one of the others I, I like a lot is data yeah. um, I think that so often we think that data needs to live in a particular box you know it has to be an infographic or it has to be you know a call out quote or something but I think if you were to look at 
a lot of stories through the numbers and ask what are the numbers that I can find around this, the research, the trends, the data. Um, I think it gives you really interesting ways to tell stories that oftentimes they've been told many, many times. So the example I like to give, and I guess this is probably not as applicable in the current, uh, you know, COVID environment we're living in, but, um, you know, we've all seen so many event recaps, right, where they say, you know, we all gathered to have this conversation and guest speakers came and they were heard and then we all went home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, thanks to our sponsors. But I think if you were to look at it through the numbers, it could make for a really interesting way to do it. So how many seats were put out? You know, how many countries or, or states or cities were represented by your attendees, by your speakers? How many slides were shown all together in the entire day's worth of events? How many cups of coffee were served? You know, it kind of gives you a unique perspective on what went into that event. And so, you know, you could do the whole general chronological recap of who said what when, but I think if you ask yourself, can I tell this story through numbers, you find a really different way to tell a very similar story. Hmm, I really love that. Um, and, and my my mind is racing to reform, like repurposing if, if, like, if you had the numbers that would make a great infographic and things like yeah. that as well, because um, it'd be really good factual blog post or video or podcast episode into something great like that. Yeah. What would you say um, in terms of when people are choosing the focus and they're looking at all these different angles like data, like people, um, like this, all that kind of um all the different angles you can come from what would you say is one of the most overlooked focus topic focus areas i i think history potentially i think what happens especially in a marketing context when we're trying to push a message we're always thinking about the future you know we're always thinking about the next event the next you know the future purchase future conversion um I think sometimes it's really valuable to look back at history or sort of what brought us to that point. It doesn't always have to be very far back in history. You know, this could be as simple as you have a launch coming up. Well, what about the last product you launched? Or what about the first product you launched? How much has changed over the last year? I mean, just when you're thinking of a story, instead of looking forward, ask, is there a way to tell this story looking back that would provide a really interesting perspective? I think it's really easy to be very future focused and you need that as a business owner, as a marketer, but sometimes there's so many interesting stories that are hiding right behind you. Yeah, exactly. You just have to look for them. And I I know from your journalistic background, you must be very, very good at doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love that kind of stuff. I think that's a big part of what drives my feelings about about content and about why we all can do this stuff. You know, you never see a newspaper that didn't come out and there's just a little, you know, post-it note on the newsstand that says, sorry, couldn't think of anything to say today. (laughs) You know, we're, we're really good at finding those new angles and finding unique, you know, approaches to stories. So I really think it's a teachable skill and that's, I mean, I'm, I'm extremely passionate about that. Yeah, it is. And and I think um, there's lots of people who think that they're not very good at storytelling or that they don't have stories yeah. to tell. And, and it is teachable, isn't it, to learn to find the story and, and, and then how to share it. So yeah. um, just before we move on to format, because I want to kind of dip, we've got a focus and format and then kind of bringing it together. Um, are there yeah. any other focus areas that you you think people should be really kind of thinking about that maybe, again, are kind of a little bit overlooked? or yeah. So, um, you know, we talked about process, which I think yeah. is, is one that's great and, and history being one that's forgotten a lot. I think one that can be exceptionally useful right now at a time when many of us are, you know, 
not having access to the same resources or time that we normally do is curation. So sometimes there's actually more value in collecting existing items than there is in creating something entirely new. This tends to work really well if you don't have a lot of time, you don't have a lot of budget, um, you know, you want to resurface your old content. So maybe here's the a uh, few episodes or blog posts you may have missed last month or the best trafficked blog posts of the year so far. Um, it's a really, really easy way for you to provide something of value. Could be, again, collecting other people's resources too. You know, a roundup of products you recommend or books they should read or shows they should listen to, you know, things they should try. I mean, there's so many ways to just collect like items uh, from elsewhere or from within your own content strategy and resurface those collected together as a new piece of content. I think sometimes we, we focus so much on creating new things that we forget about the value we have as, as curators for showing our audience. I know there's a lot of content out there. I know it's hard to know what to pay attention to. I've collected these things that I think are worth your time. Yeah, and I think it goes to, you know, if people trust you um, and value your opinion, they're going to really appreciate you doing that curation piece for them, aren't they? Um, yeah. And also, I think it goes to show that you, you know, it's it reflects well on you that you're willing to share um, content and thoughts and ideas that, that other people have created and that you don't make it just all about you all the time and that you're going to shine yeah. the light on other people's opinions and pieces as well, doesn't it? I think we'd I think we'd be silly to act as if no one else is creating content, you know, and that our audience is not reading things written by others or listening to, to things written by others. So I think it makes us look really self-aware. It makes us look informed that we know where these other resources are. It makes us look again like collaborative team players. And it really emphasizes the fact that you're putting your audience's needs perhaps ahead of your own, or at the very least on par with your own, that you're saying this may not be purely for my own benefit, but I know that it will help you. And my goal is to help you, or my goal is to be a guide, to be educational, whatever your missions, you know, your mission is that aligns with it by, by providing something of, in, of intense value for your audience. They're going to see that they're going to appreciate that. Hey, just a little break from this podcast episode to ask you a question. Would you like one single place that you can go to that provides you with everything you need to be able to implement the best practices in content repurposing for your video content, your podcast episodes, and your social media content today? To help you get more value from the content that you create, get more time back, and help you reach more people than you ever thought possible. If so, then you are going to love the Content 10X Toolkit. The toolkit is full of video tutorials, templates, checklists, swipe files, step-by-step -step guides, and more that shows you how to repurpose your content in the best ways possible today. No more Googling, no more figuring it out yourself. We provide you with everything that you need to become a content repurposing pro. If this sounds like something that would interest you, then go check out the Content 10X Toolkit at content10x.com forward slash toolkit. Okay, I'm back to this week's episode. Yeah, completely. Um, so when you are choosing the the focus of your story and you've decided you've decided which angle you're going to go at with all the different types we've, we've talked about and more, as mm -hmm. you said, um, 
And then we think, so it's focus plus format. So then we're thinking, okay, so what's the, the format that we're going to share this in? So what kind of formats do you, um, you know, kind of recommend to pair up with the different types of focuses? Yeah, I think it's really, really easy as we were talking about, you know, when we first started chatting here to get caught up in the specific specs of, of one platform or another and to say, okay, well, I've got to make a Instagram reel and I've got to make a TikTok and then something for Snapchat and then I've got to do a LinkedIn live. Like, you know, it can really get out of hand quickly and that can kind of cloud your ability to think clearly. So I think what's most beneficial is to really break content down to its, its smallest individual parts. And rather than thinking about a network, thinking about what is the tool you're using to bring that idea to life. So in the book, we break down 10 Again, there's others out there, um, but I tried to include some that are really common that we're all familiar with, and that would be things like video, uh, audio, which if you're listening to this, that, that's audio, um, writing, you know, so if you're reading show notes or reading something else, that's, that's written content. Um, but I think there are some others that are really cool that we don't go to as often, and those would be things like a quiz, a map, or a timeline that I think could really help you differentiate your content. But I think the, the key thing here, and, and you hit it right on the head, is you need to have that focus first. Mm. You have to know what am I trying to say before you decide how to say it. Uh, this is like, otherwise you're, you're making a recipe before you know what your ingredients are, you know? Yeah. So you got to know what it is that you're trying to say, and then you just ask, what's the best way to bring this story to life? You know, does it have visual elements? Okay, well then maybe a video would be a good fit. Um, if it doesn't, it has a lot of data, well maybe an infographic might be a good fit. So I think having those two lists coming up with that focus and then asking that question allows you to choose the format that's going to best help that story shine, you know, that's going to help your audience relate to it, help it perform the way you want it to, give it the right kind of engagement opportunities. So that that is really key, that focus first and then choose your format. Yeah. Do you see people make the mistake where they focus too much on format and then try and shoehorn the wrong story into the, you know, the, the wrong format, so to speak? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think we've all had that experience as consumers of content when you're watching a video and you're like, this is the most boring dang video I have ever seen. Like this should have been an email. This should have been mm. an article, you know, uh, get to the point, you know, or uh, the number of times, I'm sure you've had this experience, if you're looking for a recipe online, you always find the recipe, but it's always preceded by like, uh, you know, 2,000 words about the first time this person encountered an ingredient and, and what this means to them and their food philosophy. And your feeling is always like, I, that's not what I'm looking for. I came here for a recipe and you're presenting it in this really unflattering way. So it might have been better if there was a video where she could share her, you know, her background and her love of this item. But if you aren't looking for that, you can skip over it and get straight to the recipe. So again, just asking what's, you know, if people are looking for the recipe and I'm presenting it in very, very long form, that may not be the best experience. So it, it really helps to, to focus on what it is that you're, that you're saying and then match appropriately. Yeah. What would you, is there any kind of, is there any focus and format combinations that you see work the best? I mean, I know it depends on people's audiences and, sure. and them as a person, but are there, you know, some specifics that just go really well together? I'm, I'm a firm believer that all of them can combine in some yeah. way that 
any focus works with any format, but I do think there are some that, that tend to just make sense. Mm -hmm. So when you're doing history focused content, oftentimes a timeline is a really good way to do that, right? Because history focused stories tend to unfold over time and timelines are really great at plotting that out. So they tend to suit one another really well. Another pairing that works really well is data and infographic. So if yeah. you're focused on the numbers, then as we, we pointed out for the example before, plotting it on an infographic is often a really easy way to make that data easy to understand. So those two, I think, tend to go together really well. Um, process, I think process can unfold on, in a lot of different uh, a lot of different formats, but it does tend to happen often through writing images and video. Uh, generally, maybe not all processes, but a lot of processes require some visual guidance. You know, think of the last time you looked up instructions for, I don't know, uh, many of us probably how to cut your partner's hair or your dog's hair or, you know, your child's hair in the midst of, you know, not having access to a barber. Imagine trying to see those instructions only through audio and having no visual guidance for what to do. It would be really challenging. So we tend to see visuals come along with process-focused content just because, you know, if you want to replicate that process, you usually need mm -hmm. uh, some visual guidance on how to do it. Yeah, completely makes sense, doesn't it? And then, you know, when it comes to if you're going to repurpose content, then, you know, you have to think of uh, if it was a he heavily visually dependent video or something like that, that's not yeah. going to go too well into audio if, if people miss in half of the things, the diagrams and things that you were pointing out and things like that. So yeah. you, you have to see how they kind of what they can go on to, but be really smart with, with the formats thereafter and as well, don't you? Yeah, and, and there are always exceptions. Like I think, yeah. you know, like I said, I think any of them can combine well. So you think about like an audio tour of a museum. I guess that's helping you through the process of moving your way through the museum. Uh, it is kind of guiding you through that and it's done through audio. So sometimes it can work, you know, it sort of depends on the process and the content, you know, the story you're trying to tell. Um, but yeah, there are definitely some that are, are really well suited and some that might give you a, a challenge if you happen to, to try to combine them. You know, they're a little more difficult to pair, but um, I've seen great things happen at the intersection of, of all those focuses and formats. So it's definitely possible. <laughs> yeah. I liked what you said about how sometimes pe perhaps people try to um combine too much together into one place like like a big per, a big human personal story leading on to a you know step-by-step -step process and that kind of right. thing so um in that case well I guess again anything can work depending on some kinds of audiences and content can't it but um I think it probably advised maybe create separate pieces of content to to separate out the focus quite often. Would you agree like a lot of the time it maybe it is better to keep it more focused on one fo focused on one focus so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the other the other approach if you do want to tackle sort of multiple yeah. options, you can absolutely combine focuses. You know, that might be opinion talking about your experience mm -hmm. and then process giving the recipe, but my guess is those two parts may be better suited to different formats. So, the example I gave is, you know, maybe there's a video embedded at the top that says, you know, my my cheesecake journey or something, yeah. you know, and if someone <laughs> 
anyone cares about your cheesecake journey, they can watch that video. If they don't, it's very easy for them to get right to the written recipe that they're there for. Um, you know, and again, it may be a very engaging video because you could share your childhood photos in the video. You can, you know, there's face on camera attached to that personal memory. Whereas writing it out in 2000 words, it just feels like a wall of text. It's not best suited to that format. So if you are going to combine multiple focuses and have these sort of sections or chapters within your content, make sure you're asking that question for each type. You know, what's the best way yeah. to bring this part to life? Because they, they may not be the same. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think that if you go into then create different types of content and put them all together on, say, your website with, with maybe a post, like you said, with the video aspects to it, with visuals to it, a process section. That's, that can be a great thing to do because what you can then do is send those separate sections out into the, the bigger world off your site in different yep. locations. Then can't you? The video can go to YouTube. The graphics can go on Instagram. Da, da, da. Yep. So it's, it, it's, it's keeping it on your land and sending it to the appropriate platform for that type yeah. of content then as well, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it's also important to know, you know, I think we all have, I call it a first content language. It's like the, the type of content, the format you're most comfortable creating. Um, like I consider myself a writer. I would rather write a hundred blog posts than edit, you know, five uh, podcasts. So, you know, it, we all have a, a comfort zone and, and what tends to happen is we, we stay really closely there and we don't consider the fact that our audience also has first content languages for how they like to consume. So if you're only putting out written content, there may be auditory learners who would love your content, but they can't access it in a way that's, you know, that's helpful for them. If you're only putting out video, then the people who really like to read and take notes, they may not be able to learn from you as well. So yeah. at least experimenting with these different types, you know, you may discover that it opens up new audience who, who couldn't really access your content uh, in the way that was easiest for them to learn before. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of getting your story in front of people in the, the easiest way for them to consume, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, I always... I always compare it to, you know, if you were, if it wasn't COVID and you were having a, a birthday party at your house, you would probably recognize that different people you wanted to invite would need to be invited in different ways. You know, mm -hmm. your grandparents, they're not yeah. going to get the Facebook invite. You've got to pick up the phone, right? Uh, and you've got certain friends that you've got to send them a Google calendar invite because if you don't invite them on the calendar, they won't show up, right? <laughs> you've got your aunt uh, that you need to send a Facebook invite because she's all over Facebook all the time. So you recognize recognize in your regular life that these different ways of communicating, these different ways of presenting the same information helps you connect with different people. So we just want to apply that same, uh, that, that same methodology to our content. You know, you have to invite people to the content party in different ways. Yeah, it's so funny that you should say that because I'd never really thought about that communicating with your friends and family in that way. But um, I can think of that with even just an, a one person and how I would communicate with them differently depending on what it was. So there's some friends, if it was a business, you know, business friends, if it was a businessy related thing, like do you, do you want to come on my podcast or something, I would probably text them. But then if it was another something jokey, I'd probably Instagram message them. And if it was, and it's so funny, it's yeah. either the same person, but I would generally text them for that kind of stuff, story for that. <laughs> so yeah, it just goes to show, yeah, we have it in our everyday life and it's just kind of bringing those principles into how we communicate with our audience as 
well, isn't it? It all still Absolutely. applies. Yeah. Um, talk to me about, so in your book as well, you talk about content multipliers. Um, could you explain a bit more about what, what they are and, and the, the concept of the content multipliers? So the multipliers mm. are like the secret weapon at the end of the book, I think. This is where <laughs> sort of the, the real power happens. So a multiplier is a way that you can take one piece of content that worked really well and then sort of adapt or replicate it, you know, repurpose it um, to make it, to give it more mileage, to find ways to continue to tell that type of story. So, you know, you think of uh, time is one of my favorite multipliers and I share some others in the book as well, but time allows you to adapt a piece of content to a different time frame. So, you know, one of the processes we talked about before, uh, we talked about, you know, a haircut or a recipe. Um, so the recipe might be, here's a 30 minute cheesecake recipe. Okay, here's a 60 minute cheesecake recipe. Here's an overnight cheesecake you can make, right? So by changing the time period, you take, okay, my people like cheesecake recipes. How can I continue to serve that up in new and fresh ways? Um, you can also do okay, here are some spring cheesecake recipes that have spring ingredients. And here's the summer cheesecake recipes that stand up well to heat outside for a barbecue. Um, so, you know, by thinking about what are the different ways time impacts this piece of content, you can repeat and adapt it in different ways. And so these multipliers, they, they really are sort of an, a way to exponentially increase uh, at least the potential content. You may not have to make all of them. They may not all suit you. Um, you know, maybe the winter cheesecake recipes are just no good. Don't do that <laughs> one, you know. Um, but it allows you to, to think, okay, I've got this one thing that worked really well. How else could I approach that same topic, uh, you know, by adapting the time period or applying one of the other multipliers, you know? So yeah. this is, I think this is like the secret weapon. When something mm. works, let's, let's find a way to have it keep working for you. Yeah, I love that. Um, I've never, yeah, really thought about it in that way in terms of like that time and, and see, seasonal and, and updating and adjusting the content based on um, yeah, time, whatever yeah. that is in relation or, to your business. Hmm. Or we even shared before sort of curating your best, um, you know, your best blog posts or best, you know, episodes, best videos of the last month, of the last quarter, best videos of 2019, 2018, 2017. Um, you know, you could curate it based on different topics. I mean, there's a lot of ways for you to take something that works and just adapt it based on time. I think it's probably one of the most versatile, um, you know, the most versatile multipliers. I love it. Yeah, that's great. And then what, what are any other multipliers? So another one that we talk about in the book is resources. Um, and, you know, what that means is oftentimes the, the content we're creating requires certain things for it to apply to our audience. Maybe they need to have a certain tool or be a certain type of business. Um, so by changing the available resources, it allows us to adapt it further. So coming back, I don't know why the cheesecake recipe thing <laughs> is, is, is working for me. Um, but, you know, okay, what if you need a gluten-free cheesecake recipe? Mm. Someone needs it to not have gluten or a cheesecake recipe if you don't have a compression pan, uh, a cheesecake recipe in for a convection oven specifically, cheesecake recipe with low sodium. Uh, you know, you could, no dairy. I don't know that that's going to be very tasty, but, you know, <laughs> looking at these, these things and saying, what does my audience need to be able to create this recipe um, or, or need to complete this content, to engage yeah. with this content? Because, you know, it's not just recipes and ingredients. You think about 
you know, available finances. Maybe I'm recommending uh, those products I think you should try. Well, here's the ones that are under $20. Here's the mm. ones that are 20 to $50. Here's the ones that are $100 plus. You know, it could be these are the ones if you need an enterprise system, if you have a small team, if you're a solopreneur. There's so many ways to think about those resources that they either need or may not have and then adapt that piece of content so you're getting different subsets of that audience more specifically. Yeah, I, I love that. And, and this whole multiplier approach, it's, it's trying to get your brain to look at content on a different, like horizontal or vertical, whichever it is. But it's, yeah. we tend to look in only one way, don't we? Whereas it's actually challenging you to look on a different level, like a different vertical um, with, with all of these different ones, time and um, resource. Yeah. yeah. I think it's also really helpful for reminding us to niche down. I think yeah. a lot of us, you know, we have that inclination to, to stay broad. We want to sort of appeal to as many people as possible. But there's a lot of instances where creating five niche pieces of content is going to be so much more valuable, get you so much more engagement than creating one bigger, you know, piece. So even about the cheesecake recipe, how many people just go looking for any cheesecake recipe? It's always specific. I want a raspberry cheesecake recipe or a cheesecake recipe with no dairy because my family doesn't do dairy or, you know, people look for specifics and so if you can provide those specifics by multiplying and adapting it can actually again help you reach more audience and, and get deeper engagement with that audience yeah exactly I was just thinking things that we do so if we do an article on how to repurpose a YouTube video to social media well actually it should be to Instagram stories Instagram reels Instagram main yes um, you know TikTok uh, Facebook ways Live, for each. Facebook, yeah every like there's there's so many and I think sometimes it's easy to think that it'll be a more kind of you know, interesting post if it is just to social media and then we'll just touch on different platforms in it. But by following this approach you, and being more specific, you then go to a, a more depth, don't you? And I think people do actually look for more depth because that, that would be the how-to format, like the process format anyway. Yeah. Well, of course, people want depth in a process type of content anyway don't you so that makes sense yeah yeah well and and just like you said their problem their problem isn't probably general they're not saying i have all this um, great youtube content and i'd like to put it anywhere right it's yeah. probably specific like i don't know what to do on tiktok how can i adapt my youtube videos for tiktok or how can i adapt my youtube videos to reels which i don't know what to do with so you know by by breaking it down in those different parts you may cover the very same information but just by positioning it as you know more specific by multiplying it there by the different uh, i guess that would be probably resources you know are they looking yeah. to do it through you know these particular particular platforms, um, you know, it allows you to, to create something that might even be more valuable, even if the content is really the same as it yeah. would have been in your one giant roundup. Yeah, exactly. It's easier for you to create because you've got the, the structure and the format already there. And you, you might only have to be changing certain aspects, some screenshots and certain terminology. Um, yeah. But that doesn't matter, does it? Because people are looking for that specific problem to be solved yeah. or whatever it is. So, And um, my yeah. guess is that piece of content would work really well as either an image gallery, like an image mm -hmm. list where you've got screenshots paired with written instructions so that they could follow along um, or as a, as a video, because you know, it's, it's a highly visual process to know where to tap and what to do and which tools to use. So I, my guess is that would have to be a pretty visual, uh, visual piece. 
Yeah, yeah, it would, wouldn't it? Oh, this I could talk for ages. We're so kind of aligned in terms of, you know, just the, how you should go about creating content and thinking about it yeah. more broadly and all the different ways that you can do it. Um, so one last question to ask you. Um, so if somebody's, they've just got a copy of your book and they're all ready to go with applying the content fuel framework, what yeah. kind of big tip would you um, provide? Like a one single tip to just, to just get started and hit the ground running with starting to use the framework. I know that this might seem counterintuitive, but I want you to start small. I think a lot of times what happens is we feel we have all these ideas and that's wonderful. Um, but if we get in over our heads, if we overcommit ourselves, I'm going to launch a, a YouTube series and an Instagram daily post and I'm going to go live every day on Facebook. Um, you're going to burn out really quickly. And I would much rather have you do one of those things and focus on doing it really well until it's second nature for a month or two months and then try to add in some of the others. So that is my, my big advice. What can you do? consistently where can you deliver quality on a regular basis and then once you do that then consider where you'll branch out next because I would hate for you to have all these amazing ideas and burn yourself out so you can't bring them to life yeah 100% agree with you on that completely yeah. <laughs> um, so um, in terms of wh where can people go to connect with you and find out more of course get a copy of the book the content of your yeah. framework which I'm sure is <laughs> it's on Amazon as we said before but, um, but where, where else can we go to um, follow up and connect yeah so if you'd like to learn more about the book specifically you can go to contentfuelframework.com that will give you links for where you can buy it uh, information about the workbook and some of the supplementary materials you might want to as you're working through the process um, but you could learn more about me my team and about the book if it's easier to remember at storyfuel.co so it's storyfuel.co and that has all the information about where to find us on social uh, you know how you can how you can work with us if that's something you're interested in and again the information about the book is there as well brilliant okay well thank you so much for coming on the show it's been a fantastic conversation super super useful for everyone listening i'm sure thanks for having me and letting me share my story So there you go. Thank you so much for joining me in this week's podcast episode. I really do appreciate it and I hope you found it useful. Now, of course, there's plenty more tips and advice on content repurposing in my book, Content 10X, More Content, Less Time, Maximum Results. So please do get a copy if you don't have one already. It's content10x.com forward slash book. And if you want us to do the repurposing for you, then head on over to content10x.com to find out all about our fully done for you content repurposing service. We'd really love to hear from you. Please do follow me on social media too. I'm at content10x on all the platforms. So all that's left to say is thanks so much for listening to this week's podcast episode and I'll catch you in the next one.